Welcome to this episode of the Atlanta Career Journey Podcast. Today's guest is Ann Game, who is the Managing Director and Head of the Atlanta Market at North Highland Consultancy. Our families have known each other for over 20 years, and I've appreciated their friendship over the years. Anne's incredibly smart. She's a strategic thinker and understands business at every level. She's delivered amazing results at North Highland, and I truly enjoyed my time working with her while I was there. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about her career journey. So welcome to the podcast, Anne. Thank you, Paul. What a nice intro. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, I enjoyed working with you last year. Um, we've, you know, we've, we've known each other. Our kids have grown up together. And so it's been a lot of fun to kind of see, you know, where they are and, and um, see more about North Highland. And, and I really enjoyed my time there. But let's start with you and um, okay. talk a little bit about where you grew up. Tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah, I, um, I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, parents, uh, you know, were, my mom was a school teacher and dad worked for the uh, FAA the federal government as an engineer, have one sister, um, you know, a, a golden retriever dog and a collie and, you know, just kind <laughs> of a, a suburban um, Fort Worth uh, life. And uh, it was a great place to, great place to grow up. Yeah. Did you, um, <clears throat> it's like in, in grade school and leading up into high school, were there, were there certain subjects in school that you enjoyed? Were there sports you competed in or um, music that you were involved in? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. I, um, I always loved math. Um, and kind of that was the beginning of my of my love for math and then ended up uh, majoring in math and and adding uh, psychology along the way in college. I um, swam on the swim team in high school and I played musical instruments from the time I was pretty young. So started off with piano and, uh, you know, and dreaded the piano lessons like so many at that age <laughs> and then kind of started to fall in love with it and um, played violin all the way through high school, thought I would go to music school you know, I added guitar. So music has been my, my love kind of all my, all my life and, uh, and actually pursuing some stuff with that now, which is kind of a, maybe a story for a little later in the, in the podcast. <laughs> I'd love to hear. I saw that on your LinkedIn profile. So I was going to ask yeah. you about that later. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, you know, my kids took piano as well and it was, you know, two of them thought it was the absolute grind, like a punishment. Kyle got pretty good at it. And one of his friend's parents said, I want you talking to their child to get to the point of being, proficient enough to where you can have fun with it. So if you kind of get through that grind and repetition of scales and the, you know, the basic stuff and you get to point where now you're comfortable and then you can improvise and interpret and do some things that you really want. I never really thought about it that way. I just, I always looked at, especially when you're young at like, Oh my gosh, I got another lesson this week and I didn't practice and it's going to be horrible or whatever, you know? Well, I had a cousin who did the exact same thing. I think my mom arranged it with my aunt, you know, for my cousin to older cousin to whom I respected, you know, and, and uh, she, gave me that same speech around, you know, stick with it and you'll, you'll get to the point where you really love it. So yeah. um, I'm thankful for that. So that's awesome. So high school math was a focus. Um, did you start thinking about colleges or even like career paths in, in high school? What was your thinking then? You know, I had no idea. And it's, it's interesting. I got all the way through college and didn't really have an idea. And I even entered in consulting, not really having an idea. So I've, I've had a great career and a great path, but I, I wouldn't, I can't look back and say that it was uh, well planned and orchestrated by any stretch, but yeah. it's kind of more of a, um, a lesson of taking advantage of what was around me and found out I like a lot of different things. So I think I could have gone a lot of different directions, but yeah, we were uh, on our way to go see Duke. And my dad was like, we're not going all the way across the country from Texas to see one school. So he planned the, the trip and I fell in love with Vanderbilt and ended up there and, and, uh, met my husband there, whom you know, you know, and Dick, yep. and uh, mm-hmm. it's, everything worked out super well. But looking back, I 
I didn't exactly have a plan, you know, as much as, as I probably yeah. would advise people maybe now, but it worked out okay. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes not having a plan gives you um, that mindset to be open to things and to be looking, you know, around and not just, you know what, I yeah. I like numbers. I'm going to be an accountant and that's where I'm going to go. And, you know, you look up 10 years later and you go, huh, I'm not crazy about accounting anymore, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, that's good. So when, um, when you were looking around in colleges, were you looking for um, certain majors you wanted to study or just kind of general business or where did you wind up falling into? I actually knew nothing about business at that point. So it was, uh, I really thought maybe I would head into either, um, I, I thought law initially, and then I actually thought maybe medicine. It was kind of the classic, I had no idea, but was interested in some sort of professional, um, you know, pursuit, but I didn't really know what it was. And I um, learned a little bit more about business at, at Vanderbilt and then decided to take a job after that for one it ended up being one year. I didn't really know how long that was going to be because um, I was applying to you know business schools, law schools. I, I still didn't know what I was going to do, and mm-hmm. uh, and then ended up um, you know going to get my MBA, and that kind of launched me more on a path of a of getting a little bit more focused around you know which direction I was going to head. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Partway through Vanderbilt, added psychology. I sort of fell in love with the, some of the softer sciences as well, and all the organizational pieces of business and, um, you know, and added a psychology major and that ended up being a really nice blend between the math and the psychology. Certainly didn't see it at the time, uh, but yeah. then when I went to get my MBA, I, you know, saw the, the value of the organizational design and organizational psychology and the business. So I gravitated towards, you know, change management and HR consulting and, um, but had a computer programming job, you know, initially out of college. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Pretty diverse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, psychology is one of those things that, you know, if you major in it, you think, oh, you're going to be a professor or, um, you know, a a psychiatrist or psychologist or something like that. But there's so many things. I mean, it's the human element, right? And we all work with humans every single day. Even if you're coding for a living, you still have to present your ideas or understand from a customer what they're doing. And, um, you know, even any sorts of design, you've got to have that input. And I, I was fascinated with psychology in college as well. Um, at, at tech, they didn't have minors, they had certificates. And mm-hmm. um, I was like one class short of getting my, uh, my actual certificate. I just found it fascinating at a human level to see how people think, how they react. And to blend that in with the science, I think it's a really great combination. So that's, that's amazing. So did you, yeah, did you go, so coming out of undergrad, did you work for a little bit? Did you go straight into grad school? I worked for a year. I, um, I applied so late to grad school that, or to uh, business programs that I had already started a job as a um, kind of a programmer with a telecommunications consulting firm. I was trying to get a bunch of software off of the Vanderbilt computers that they used and to analyze telecommunications traffic, basically. And mm-hmm. that was the consulting business that this firm did, a very small consulting firm in Nashville. And I got accepted to, um, to Harvard for business school in the summer, right after I graduated and deferred it for a year. So again, I, I didn't really know what my plan was and where I was yeah. headed. And so was still considering multiple directions, including psychology. And, uh, and that's kind of what launched me on my way down the business path um, was, you know, heading off my MBA a year later. Yeah. Did you find that that sort of, we'll call it a gap year of working for a year, did that help you going into grad school? 
Oh, incredibly. And probably a couple of more gap years would have helped me even more. You know, yeah. I was, I was the, the baby in the program, you know, and, um, and just didn't have as many experiences to draw upon or frankly, the confidence, you know, mm-hmm. in any way to draw upon. So um, it worked out okay. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience, but um, you know, even more experience would have been, would have been helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. I know that Kyle and my personality, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of style and everything that would have been helpful. Sorry. Yeah, it's and I think um, I I certainly would understand. I I would follow the similar path that you did. Um, my son Kyle went straight from undergrad into grad, and um, you know I just think that when you get out and you work, it sort of crystallizes some of the theory that you learn in college. I mean, you're doing some case studies, real world examples, but there's really nothing like actually working for a company that needs to make money in order to pay their payroll and all those you know factors to really kind of see how some of these concepts can kind of relate to real world situations. So I think that's really helpful to do that. I, had, so. I do too. And I think um, I had a great mentor and teacher at that firm who uh, was great about exposing me to parts of the job that were way beyond what my role was, you know, and that was particularly helpful looking back that, you know, I, I wasn't really out serving clients yet, mm-hmm. but I, I was kind of in the, in the back office for the most part, but I did get to go to a few of those meetings and he, he took me along to things. He showed me, you know, how they were pricing their business. And, you know, even though I was running more of the analyses behind the scenes for some of the projects, you know, he, he did a great job of coaching me and, and bringing me along to understand just as you were saying a little bit more of the, you know, the broader aspects of the, of the business. Yeah. Is Mentorship cool. is just critical, isn't it? It I mean, is. It certainly is. And I think that, you know, for the younger audience, you know, finding that even in high school, but certainly in college, having some of that um, outside of your parents, I think having some of that, you know, um, third party input and learning from others and kind of just seeing through a different lens about what the world's like and and giving them advice. Because I know folks like you and I, we we love to give back. And um, I think for a young person to ask for help it's pretty rare they're going to get turned down, you know? And so it's, um, it really is really amazing. It took me a long time to really get to a mentorship um, situation where I was working and I just never really thought like, Oh, that's for like, you know, executives and they get those coaches and all that. And it didn't think like a college student, much less, you know, starting their career where it would be important, but it definitely is. It is. Yeah. So at Harvard, um, great experience. I mean, one of the most respected, well, both of your colleges have been impressive, certainly. Were there certain avenues you were thinking going next? Because I don't know how Harvard sets up their MBA, if you have to go through a certain segmentation, finance or um, accounting, or I don't know, were there certain paths that you were looking at? Yeah, the first year, everybody takes the same set of courses, or they did back then. That was a long time ago, Mm -hmm. but um, took exactly the same courses. And then the second year you had a chance to, to pick and choose and, and determine which path you wanted to, to go down. And I took every bit of the, you know, organizational human behavior kinds of courses I could take um, the second year, but, you know, got mm. a, a good grounding in marketing and finance and accounting and things. I, I really only taken a tiny bit of business you know, courses uh, undergrad. So it was, it was mm. mostly new to me. Um, and so I, I took a pretty, had a pretty broad general management background uh, in my MBA. Gotcha. Loved so, all the psychology pieces of it and organizational behavior. So really continued that, that study and that training to, to hone your exactly. skills pretty well. Huh? Yep, exactly. That's great. So um, 
towards tail end of grad school, what were you thinking? I know you'd said earlier, you just didn't really have a plan, but as things were sort of kind of coming together for you, were you thinking about a certain career or a certain type of an industry? At that time, a huge percentage, I'm not sure I can quote what that was, but, you know, probably over 50% were headed into consulting mm-hmm. um, or at least thought they wanted to. And I followed that path uh, as well. So most of my interviews were in consulting, um, thought that that would be a way to continue getting more uh, business experience because I had very little and I'd only worked really more as a programmer for that one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that would be a good way to get a little bit of experience and then maybe, you know, kind of quote, go get a real job and obviously never made it to that <laughs> real job. <laughs> so decided I loved consulting. Yeah. It's been very much a real job, but, uh, you know, but um, headed in consulting and um, interviewed all over the country and selected at the time it was Touche Ross before it you know, became Deloitte and Touche and then Deloitte um, mm-hmm. and, and moved to Atlanta and didn't really know whether I would stay in Atlanta or possibly head back to Texas and, um, you know, and ended up falling in love with the, the profession and the constant learning that is available to you through this uh, mm-hmm. and, and the client service piece of it. Um, so I, I really, uh, you know, again, took advantage of something that presented itself and it wasn't, you know, necessarily, you know, I went out and sought out the exact thing that I'm doing now, but it um, found found things that I loved in the jobs that I was doing and, and uh, worked to excel at them the best I could and took advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. So what, uh, what was it about Atlanta that, that resonated for you? I think at the time, if I remember correctly, about 25% of all of Vanderbilt grads were heading to Atlanta when, you know, back in the early eighties when I graduated. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had had some exposure to Atlanta um, through friends and it just seemed like my, my choices at the time were between some offers in New York and in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. You know, in hindsight, I wonder what that would have been like, you know, going to New York for a while. Um, uh, but it kind of made that choice based on location and some friends in Atlanta and, um, it, worked, and it worked out well. Yeah. But again, so I thought in, it was temporary at the time, but it, you know, <laughs> but it obviously was not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. It's hard to really kind of know 20 or 30 years down the road what you yeah, think absolutely. you're going to be doing. Right. And so much changes anyway. So, uh, so First job in consulting. Tell me a little bit about that. So my first project, so the first job, I, I landed in Deloitte at the time. The Tushras office actually had 24 people in consulting. It was thousands now. Um, so I arrived and literally met everybody, um, uh, you know, pretty, pretty quickly and was fairly quickly sent off to L.A. for a 14-month project. Wow. Um, which was fascinating. It was an interesting project. A tenth of the firm was on the same project or same set of projects at, the, at this particular client. Um, so I also got a great exposure to Tushras at the time. Uh, and the travel was fun at that point. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, and I could, you know, go anywhere on the weekends and fly people out. And it was back kind of in the days of, of, of being able to take advantage of, of all of that. And yep. so I had a, a great time. Didn't really, I didn't know that many people in Atlanta. And it wasn't for, you know, until quite a bit later that that, that kind of, you know, became a little bit tougher with the, with the travel. But it was sure. an interesting project where we were redesigning some 
kind of commission systems and sales for a, um, it was actually Blue Cross of California and I knew nothing about that industry. And so it was, you know, and I found that every project that I went to, and most of them were fairly long, which wasn't necessarily typical at that time, but they were all like a year or more for the first few mm -hmm. years that I, and I went from industry to industry. So it was very fascinating. I could, you know, it was constant learning um, and trying to start to apply things that I would learn at one to the next, you know, like a process improvement skill or a, yeah, what we would now call data and analytics, you know, some something that I'd seen in one and then try to apply it to the next industry. And so that was, a, you know, just a super, super fast learning curve and how to how to be a consultant. And and then I guess it was probably three to five years into that, that it just kind of clicked that, hey, I really I like the constant change and the how it's always different. And there aren't two days that are ever alike. Mm -hmm. you know, in consulting. And I love the client service piece of it, that my job was to, you know, deliver something of value, but that really helped somebody at, at a company and changed not only just whatever the result was that we were trying to achieve, you know, whether it was cost reduction or revenue enhancement or get something implemented, you're also changing those, those people's lives individually and helping them be more successful. And I love, uh, loved and still do love those pieces of it. So. It's really rewarding to kind of see a solution you put together, you know, whether it's a system or technology or just some way to improve a customer problem, to see it come together and just see a customer really using that uh, to make their, their company better, right? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's very rewarding, very fulfilling. And, yeah. it, and a lot of that's behind, you're kind of behind the scenes a little bit. And that's, that's always been, uh, that's always been really nice as well. We've, had a couple of moments where the clients, you know, have gotten up and recognized and, you know, in front of many, many peers or a CEO of a company, you know, complimented us. And, uh, you know, and those are nice moments, but it's really more the individual, uh, you know, the individual times where you're, you're seeing a, a person's career move forward because of something you, you help them do. Potentially yeah. Or, um, yeah. I've always enjoyed that. That's great. I, you know, I just thinking back of when you started it, at, I'll call it Deloitte, but um, yep. I know that friends of mine that went in the consulting industry, um, I just was amazed at how much prep and training that they got, that there was, there was a nice program for them to sort of get ramped up into dealing with a client or providing reports or presentation skills or how to do research and all that. It was, um, it was almost like another graduate degree that you picked up from the consulting firms. And I was, was that your experience as well? It was. I mean, from the training that we went through to, you know, the on the job, whatever the project was, it got to, you know, where you, some people went super, super deep. And so they became an expert in a particular area. And that was certainly Deloitte's model, um, which was both good and bad for me, um, which I can explain. And then, but there was also just that breadth across so many different functional areas and industries and service mm. offerings that we had that it was, it was just constant learning. It's like continuing to work on, you know, another MBA kind of thing. And, and yeah, in a fun and exciting way, we were also offering value to, to an end client. Yeah, that's, that's really amazing. So you were at uh, Deloitte for a while. 21 um, years. Yeah, so you saw a lot, and as you, I know that, like you said, you mentioned the firm had gone through some mergers, acquisitions, and changes a little bit. What were some of the things that, that jumped out in your mind, and of course, your career at, at Deloitte? Yeah, one of the ones that I just want to kind of share with with this group is, 
about nine years into the 21 years that I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd had great experiences, but I decided really more for personal reasons at the time. Um, we had had our, our first daughter of three that I, that I wanted to do something a little bit different within Deloitte um, and not travel literally 100% of the time. Um, and I went over and moved over to the audit and tax side of the firm, which at the time was viewed as a transition that would not be rewarding or would not help me make partner or potentially even career limiting, but I did it for what I felt like were the right reasons. And, and that was, that's one of those lessons I look back on. I've done that a couple of times and followed what I felt was right, you know, and what was right for me personally, wouldn't be right for everybody. Um, And it ended up being not only a great personal decision, it was an unbelievable professional decision. I had no visibility or, you know, ability to see forward and see how that would work out. But the group took off. There were only three of us in Atlanta and there were pockets of people around the country developing. It was developing a middle market consulting practice within really the safety net um, and security blankets, you know, of of a big Deloitte. Mm -hmm. And it became the fourth function of the firm. It was consulting, audit, tax, and this group called Management Solutions and Services. And I had more um, leadership opportunities than I ever would have had anywhere else in Deloitte. because the group grew to $360 million in revenue and I, you know, and I was getting promotions really ahead of when was a logical time for me to be promoted or me to take on other responsibilities um, because there just weren't any other people in the group. So it was rap, one of those rapid, rapid growth situations. I certainly wouldn't claim that I saw that coming. I did it for more personal reasons. Yeah. Um, and it just was a fantastic experience of, of doing what was right to balance work and personal life. And then again, being in, you know, taking advantage of wonderful opportunities. And I needed a lot of help along the way. So it was also asking for help, getting mentors outside and inside of, of Deloitte. We paid for me to have a coach who, you know, cause I was, I was in over my head in a couple of spots, um, you know, way, way beyond my, my skills, but, it was getting the coaching to help me get to that. So it was, um, I look back and and it was such an exciting, exhilarating time. Um, but it was, it all came about from just doing what I thought was right uh, for, for me and for my family and, but also for Deloitte. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's happened a couple of times since too, that it's like, you, you, once that happens, you really remember it and you can kind of feel what it feels like in your gut. It's like, yeah, I shouldn't listen to too many people telling me this is a bad move. I've, I've got the right feeling that this is exactly what I need to do. You know? Yeah, that's. I think it's a really important life lesson because, you know, I think so many people sort of, you know, in quotes, follow the money. You know, I, if, yep. if I go down this path, I'll make partner sooner or, you know, this group's the one with the visibility and it's not necessarily a fit for me. So I'm going to be a little bit outside of what my strengths might be. And, you know, you're either unhappy or you're not as successful as you would be doing something that really is kind of fits with your strengths and your passions. And, you know, listening to that, that inner voice and that gut and your intuition, I think is, I think is um, not promoted enough. I think you have to be in tune with who you are, but that really is a pretty powerful guiding force for anybody to really sort of, you know, make those right decisions and sort of, you know, uncertain times or even something that's not necessarily obvious and then being open to, 
you know, jumping in and pushing through maybe a little bit of fear. You know, I know that times when I've made career changes, I know my dad was, you know, old school and, you know, go to work for the same company. And my first job out of school was Delta and he couldn't believe when I was wanting to leave there. (laughs) Like, (laughs) well, you know, there's opportunities I want to do. And he's like, but it's Delta. You should retire there. You know, I'm like, I get it, dad. But you know, it's so there's a couple of times in my life where I've left uh, to kind of the you know, head shaking of friends and family, but I just knew there was something more that I either wasn't getting in my current role or something that I was, you know, looking as this next opportunity as a way to fulfill, grow, and to build my career. Well, and it's it's also the reason I, if you fast forward, it's also the reason I left Deloitte because I was, I was also um, kind of in that, on that treadmill and, you know, and really, very committed to Deloitte and really wanted to do everything I could do. But as I got more and more specialized in very, very narrow areas, which is not the best fit for me, um, you know, you're supposed to be kind of like number one in the world in something. And that's fantastic for some. I'm much better at listening to a client and putting together solutions across a lot of different things. It's just my mm-hmm. more where my gifts fit. Yeah. Um, and I wanted so badly to make it work that when they're like, you'll be going to China for the foreseeable future, come home every six weeks. And I, I was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. And I went home and I thought, what in the world are you saying? You have yeah. Three young girl daughters, uh, you know, wonderful husband. Why did you say yes to that? You know, and because I wanted to make it work. And that was kind of my, I was in a leadership development program in Sundance, Utah. And we were writing down, what are your passions and you know, what, what are you really good at? And then there was sort of a Venn diagram and what are the needs of the firm mm-hmm. matching up those passions and needs. And I started to realize my Venn diagram didn't have much of an intersection point anymore. You yeah. Know? You yeah. know, and so it was like, okay, so you also have to be real when, you know, you want it to work so badly and you're striving and, you know, for that achievement or those aspirations. And it's like, well, it's, it's okay to leave and that not be the perfect fit anymore. It was a great place for a long, long time. I'm very grateful, but it also became the place that I, that I needed to leave and go do something else. Yeah. Well, you touched on a subject too, that I think a lot of professional women have to, to sort of, they struggle with and have to figure out, you know, is it career versus family? Sometimes there's companies that will give you both, but you know, both sides really want more than you could probably give. And so that's never an easy decision. Um, and you always feel like if you're, I, my wife went through this too, when she was working for Delta's Olympic program, she, she was all in, you know, 16, 18 hour days. And then she come home and there was really nothing left other than for it to crash and burn and then get up and do the whole thing over again. And, you know, you start to figure out what, what long-term, um, you know, gains am I getting with one versus another? And it's, it's certainly not easy. I don't know how you have kind of worked through that as a, as a female executive, you know, with a family and a husband and all that. There's just a lot to deal with. <laughs> Excuse me. I um I didn't always do it well, you know, and I think that's uh, you know we each recognize that, you know that um you know I tried to keep the uh you know the activities whether it was professional or personal aligned with what was most important to me, you know, with my priorities, but sometimes they clashed, you know, uh-huh. and it's I when I look back, it's the things that I missed that were personal that bother me. It's not the things that I missed that were that <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, that's great um, insight. You know, it really, it really isn't. It's something I miss with, you know, my husband or our three daughters, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, and I have wonderful support um, from my husband, Dick, and the girls were very, um, 
you know, as I got a little bit older, also supportive. And um, but there were times early on where I missed things um, because I thought something, you know, because I thought I had to or thought that I, you know, had to do something at work and really realized over time that um, the work didn't go away. I could do it at crazy hours if I needed to. Didn't want to always do that. Wouldn't recommend always doing that. But if mm-hmm. it was balancing going to the kids school for muffins for mom, you know, yeah. or something like that, then that that was going to be far more important as long as I could try to, to work that out. And, and Deloitte was great about that. North Highland's been, you know, um, my kids were a little older when I went to North Highland, but North Highland's been great about that too. But I think that society, my impression is it's gotten a little bit better about that. And as long as you just make it more known, yeah. whatever you're balancing, whether it's training for a marathon, you know, or seeing your kids or doing whatever that, um, you know, just, it's, it's important to, I know I always try to ask what's important on this project. You know, what's your, what's your schedule? What, you know, what important days, birthdays, anniversaries, whatever are going to happen on this particular project. And let's make sure we, we work around them because those aren't the things that are, that you're going to want to miss. You'll, you'll regret those. You won't regret missing the one client presentation, you know, or whatever. So, yeah. um, but I didn't always do that. Well, I look back and I can think of some that I, you know, my priorities were, were certainly off and it, and it depends on the person. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that mine were the right ones for anyone else either, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, but um, also I think people just need to be a little patient with that balance because I don't know that many of us would say we've struck it perfectly. I certainly wouldn't. And I don't think I know too many who would, Um, but, but you can also kind of dial it up when you, when you want to and be okay with dialing it back a little bit at other times too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I look back, I was devastated that I didn't get promoted to partner at the year that some of my peers did. And it's like, you know, that was so long ago. That doesn't matter one bit in my career at this point <laughs> you yeah. know, versus something else. Um, now I can't even remember what level that was, you know, or <laughs> what year that was, you know, and um, just doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. So I think, yes, there's also just cut yourself a little bit of slack, you know, on whatever you're trying to balance. It may not be kids. It was for me, but um you know, our children and, and some activities and things I wanted to be involved in on a weekly basis as well, at church or at, you know, music programs or something, but, you know, just try to try to hang on to those and, and be willing to communicate. Uh, Cause I think people listen to that and uh, we'll try to respect it. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you'd mentioned that, you know, things have probably gotten better and I would agree with you. I think they have. And, um, I think that technology has played a small part in that. And I think too, there's, there's a a younger generation. I know in the last say five years when I've tried to recruit talent, I mean, they've come in with, I want to work remote, you know? And I mean, when I was 25, that was one, it wasn't an option, but two, I couldn't imagine having the courage to come in and here's my list of demands, you know? And I think that (laughs) there is that, there's that uh, shift in, work-life balance or I'm, I'm willing, this is what I'm willing to do. This is what I'm not willing to do. Um, so I think it has gotten better. I mean, you know, you're, you're tethered to your phone all the time. And so you're, you're never really away, but it, the flip side is that it gives you the opportunity to go and watch a basketball game or a soccer game or go to, you know, um, music event or whatever your kids are doing or a night out with your spouse or whatever it is, you know, and you can, if you need to be in touch and you have to take a 10 minute call, that's fine. But the rest of the evening is still kind of yours to do. And I think back in the day, you had to be in your office to do any work or you had to be attached to a landline phone to, you know, deal with a customer issue. And, you know, it's a little bit different now. So I think there is that flexibility, you know, on, on one hand, but on the other hand, there's, you're never punched out either, you know, <laughs> you're always accessible. Yeah. 
the boundaries are a little harder now. And I think COVID has only uh, kind of enhanced that at the same time. I think there's some wonderful changes that may come about because of, you know, our working environments. Now we're figuring out that yeah. you don't have to be on site for everything. And, you know, I know there are days where I feel like I've worked harder and I've had more time available, you know, just from, you know, not having the commute or not having the, the dinner to go to or whatever. Mm-hmm. There have so actually been some benefits from, you know, this most recent thing too. I'm sure that we'll, not only we learn through, um, through technology, but we've learned that kind of that, some of that FaceTime may not be necessary. Collaboration will always be great. And we can do some of that through technology and it'll always be good to get back in a room and get on a whiteboard too. Um, yeah. But, but I don't know that being, for consultants being there, you know, Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday or whatever, you know, was happening on a particular project. It's, I'm not, I don't know that we'll go back to, to that exactly like it was before. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, at the start of a project, I think certainly being there in person is going to help and kind of get things framed up, plan, meet the team, kind of build them together and get through that, that Tuckman's model to get to a normal, you know, so maybe if it's, you know, in a, in a, 16 week engagement, maybe the first two weeks you're on site. And then, you know, the rest of the time until you have project closeout, maybe you're there once midpoint. And then the rest of the time you're working remote. And uh, of course, when you've got remote teams anyway, you can't always be in the same room either. So I think this is just kind of expedited that, um, that, that visibility for some of those old school managers that had to have, you know, people in their seats to kind of make sure that people were working and they're productive and all that. And now you're forced into this and you can realize, oh, okay, well, there's ways I can still be productive and we're still delivering customer needs and, you know, we're still collaborating and teams are connected and all that. So it's, yeah, I think it's going to be a, certainly a shift in the travel. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well. So how did you, um, so thinking kind of rethinking your your work life balance and some of the things that you wanted to accomplish tell about how you settled on North Highland yeah i um at deloitte i was becoming super super narrowly focused and realized that that wasn't what i was um you know, kind of what didn't play to my strengths mm-hmm. uh, i was focused on uh, manufacturing industry but it was on metals and chemicals. And then on my service area was more um, strategy and operations. And then within that, it was supply chain. Within that, it was procurement. And I was getting pushed to very narrow kind of procurement solutions. And the intersection of metals, chemicals, and procurement just wasn't, that, that didn't excite me. Yeah. And I started thinking, and that it was going to go to 100% overseas travel. And I was like, okay, that was probably the, um, that was probably the, the impetus I needed to, to start to look. I'd been there 21 years. It had been a fantastic place. They're like, you know, that might be the signal. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. um, made a phone call to a friend um, at North Highland, ended up having lunch with a friend of his the next day and a friend who had left Deloitte the following day. And then I was off and running on an interview process. I didn't even have a resume. You know, it was kind of like, hey, you got to give me the weekend to put something together. <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, I had my Deloitte resume, but I didn't really have a, a an interviewing kind of style resume ready. So it, it happened pretty quickly. Um, I did. Uh, I, I loved the fir- the firm. You know, from the minute I got to North Highland, um, many of the wonderful things that I'd seen at Deloitte. You know, in terms of just great consulting quality, were there. But it was a smaller firm where I could see I, the difference I could make, you know, really easily and super, super collaborative team oriented culture. 
mm-hmm. which, is, which is what I've loved at both firms. You know, it's the people that keep you at a place um, or potentially drive you away from a place yep. too. Yep. You know, and, uh, and I hadn't experienced that with either. They were both full of just phenomenal people. Um, so it was a good transition to me. I did it again, partially for personal reasons, because I was not going to go on the road 100% again. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it was one of those fantastic professional decisions where, you know, came in as a vice president and um, was immediately uh, almost really handed a wonderful client, and um, which was really such a, a great indication of a fantastic culture that they wanted me to be successful. It wasn't come in and prove yourself. They were like, we're going to help you in our culture and the way we do things, and which was fantastic. And then helped grow some other businesses and came Atlanta market lead. And then this new role is similar to that, but it's more of a portfolio lead over multiple accounts um, in Atlanta, Orlando, and DC. Um, and I've just thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, you know, love the people I get to work with. So again, it was really for personal reasons and became again, a great, you know, phenomenal professional decision as well. Yeah, that's, that's great. And so it kind of, you know, give you some of the things you were missing or lacking or looking for um, and still allowing you to, you know, learn and kind of cross those industries. And now you're even, you know, you're responsible for multiple markets too, which gives you that, that variety of think that you really enjoy and that you are your strength with. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been, it's been perfect for that. And um working with those teams across different industries and have a lot of the hospitality clients in my portfolio and a bunch of financial services and payments companies. And so, you know, again, learning, learning mm-hmm. new um, industries and bringing the strength and, you know, the firm and different, different offerings, um, thought leadership pieces. And I love being that broker who pulls all that together and helps kind of architect the solutions um, without being, for me, that's better than being the expert in one area. I mean, I have areas of expertise, but not um, not as narrowly focused. And that's just better for me. We need both. Every consulting firm needs both. So, yeah. What would you say um, has changed in the consulting industry from? Uh, we'll just say with North Highland. So you started there in what 07, 08, something like that. Yeah, '07. Mm-hmm. Um, we. Um, at the time, we were heavily role-based, um, project management, change management, process improvement, but a lot of individual or small projects with, you know, one or two people in, in roles. Um, mm-hmm. And we do that still, and it's a big part of our business. But we, in addition to that, we have a you know, thriving strategy practice and um, in every one of our uh, practice areas or capabilities, we have extensive thought leadership now. So it's been a really nice blend of, um, you know, bringing thought leadership and expertise uh, to big projects and, you know, with deliverables and milestones, as well as if somebody needs a great project manager, um, you know, or a technologist in some area or whatever it is, change manager, then we can also provide that individual for for those projects. Um, so I feel like I've got a lot of, and that's changing the industry. Some, I feel like I have a lot of kind of, you know, arrows, you know, in the quiver to, to be able to bring and, you know, offer different things to a client based on what they need mm-hmm. um, as well as managed services. If they need, you know, 10, 20, 30 of something we can, or a hundred, we can do that. Um, yeah. So that, 
that thought leadership and expertise. Uh, it's hard to be a pure kind of a generalist now, although mm-hmm. there are um, some of us, our skills are probably more bringing together the other skills, uh, you know, and other capabilities. Um, and then having one that you're, you go a little bit deeper in for me, people in change management. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I think that's changing industry depth, you know, has only increased and changed and gotten better and better at North Island. Um, and we still have a heavy local model, but it's not exclusively local anymore. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see how that come, how that changes coming out of COVID too. But um, yeah, but it's uh, you know that is that has also changed over time. But it's just moving so much faster. I'd say the bottom line on all that is just that the the expertise that you need to bring to a client, whether it's in digital or change management or whatever it is, it's just, it changes so much faster than it used to. So it's harder to stay on top of it and to continue to be out ahead and bring something of value to the client. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are there certain skills um, that you've seen uh, in demand that, that customers are looking to North Highland uh, to help provide? Um, I'll just, I mean, there are a bunch of them, but uh, one in particular, um, anything around agile, you know, an mm-hmm. agile transformation and, you know, product owners, scrum masters, et cetera. They just, you, we can't get enough of them. Um, so people want, uh, you know, us to be able to speak that language and understand when is it more appropriate to do systems that are more waterfall and when is it agile and how do you, mm-hmm. how do you do that and how do you train people and what skills are needed and how do you help them build their capabilities in those areas? Um, yep. That's also been a big piece of it. You know, don't, don't just come and make me dependent on you, you know, North Highland or consulting firm, but help, help me build my own capabilities. You know, the client saying that. So yep. I think that's been a big, big thing, but agile transformation, anything digital. And then I'm still seeing a lot of opportunity around anything that helps change people's behavior to do whatever the company is trying to do from a change and transformation perspective. So all those things that I loved way back in psychology, um, <laughs> the change management is super important because without it, it doesn't the change doesn't stick. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's still relevant um, now more than ever. Right. And, you know, when you go back to when you were first learning this in college, the technology was very different, but that's an aspect that's tied to humans. And so um, I, I highly recommend, you know, any sort of psychology training or anything around, you know, human interaction, organizational behavior, all those things I think are extremely useful and um, timeless. You know, they are always going to be a skill that you're going to need to be able to use. I agree. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned COVID. So I know it's, uh, it, this is, you know, affected myself and, and almost every industry out there. Um, how has COVID affected you and how you're able to do your job? You've got multiple markets now. Um, are there certain tools that you use that you've been really happy with? Certain tools? Um, it's <laughs> or funny. just how you do your job, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I'd say they have worked well. I mean, but I don't know that being on Zoom or Teams all day is necessarily <laughs> the way that most of us are going to be productive. <laughs> We've probably over-indexed on that a little bit. Yeah. Would you rather be on Zoom for eight hours or go to China now, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I could stand a little bit of travel now. That would be kind of nice. Uh, oh, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think we're yeah, all missing that. Yeah, it would be that. wonderful. 
Yeah. Um, I'll never so complain about another flight. Yeah. No, no, I do miss the personal interaction. Um, yeah. You know, face to face or really live, you know, uh, in person. Um, but I have been pleasantly surprised how a lot of that interaction has, has been pretty effective on, you know, through technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like it, you know, I've had to figure out how to block off some time to get things done or you just you end up on Zoom or Teams all day long. And then then you start the <laughs> the work that you said you were going to do that day. Yeah. Because um, I never had a day that was 100 percent unless it was an all day meeting, you know, that was 100 percent full of 14 back to back meetings or, you know, something half hour, an hour long meetings that totaled, you know, 14 of them or 12 of them or something. And, right. and I, I do find that difficult. But I also have, I think it's been very efficient, you know, to hit multiple clients, multiple teams, you know, back to back all day long. Um where maybe we would have scheduled meetings and driven to each other. And some of that I miss, but it's, it, there's also has been a great efficiency to a lot of it too. So I think we're getting mm-hmm. a lot done. Yeah. Um, I'm an introvert, so I can only imagine what the extroverts are feeling <laughs> of not being with each other. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm ready to have more of that interaction. <laughs> um, yeah. So the extroverts just must be dying. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's working all right. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, I think we're, we're kind of settling in for, you know, a longer period of this. And uh, there, there are a lot of aspects of it I've been very pleased with. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, the timing of this is you would never want to schedule a COVID situation or a global pandemic, but had this happened 20 or 30 years ago, I think it would have been much, much worse for companies to uh, still be able to operate in some of the same fashion. Right. Yeah. I don't know how they would have done it. Yeah. 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 It would have been impossible. Yeah. So if, if I'm a, if I'm a college student and I'm thinking about the consulting field, what advice would you give for me? Um, call some people, you know, who, or you can get to who are doing it and, you know, find out what they do on a day-to-day basis. If you think you'd like it, get a good, you know, pretty broad background. Um, there's no specific background that is required though, from an educational perspective, I don't think to go into consulting. So mm-hmm. we're looking for, you know, we're always looking for good, smart people who are interested in learning and, you know, and applying all different skills. So um, I don't think there is a magic set of courses, but certainly some business courses, you know, are, are helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, find those mentors and coaches early on in your, you know, in your career uh, and make sure that a mentor, you know, is, is focused on you Um it's kind of different than a, a coach within a firm who's you know trying to help you get to a certain place within a particular organization. The mentor should really be focused on you and, and guiding you and 100% interest, you know, on your development, whether in their organization or somewhere else, you know, and I, I've had some great people who've helped me in that regard. And also they aren't the same ones who kind of last and stay with you over your whole career. You know, yeah. it's, it's okay to move on to some different ones. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and they should probably move on, you know, as well as your, as your mentor. And you'll find the same with mentees as you move along and you're, you're, you're the mentor and you're helping people. Um, I think one thing that that court, that, that uh, leadership development course that I went to out in Sundance, really um, the program that we use really hit me was that aligning your passions. Like, so don't, don't just assume you have to be um, to do it a certain way, you know, find the things that you love and then, figure out where that fits. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, rather than this is the only path because um, the path I took certainly isn't the right path and isn't the only path. It's probably not mm -hmm. even the common path now. So get a lot of input and get a lot of advice, but make sure it's something you like. You spend too many hours at work to, to not find something that you enjoy and um, that you enjoy will have some place that where that's really needed. So yeah. talk to people, talk to people yeah. in all different types of consulting firms. And if that's, if that's the interest and, and find out what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Are there, are there internships that would make sense for somebody to get that type of exposure? Yeah, most of the consulting firms have, you know, intern programs, some mm -hmm. for undergrad, some not until um, after some work experience. So that varies by firm. Um, but yeah, it's a great way to, most of those internship programs are um, are designed to give you exposure to multiple projects, you know, and to multiple teams. So that it's not all in one place, but maybe where you see enough of something that you can kind of a little bit of beginning to end. Yeah. Um, through a project. And so um, it's a great, great way to see if consulting would be a, you know, of interest. So most of the big firms and, and even some of the middle sized ones like us, you know, we have some internship programs. Yeah. That's fantastic advice. Thanks so much for running through that. I think that's really helpful for, for college students that are trying to think through, you know, is this a, is this a career path and then something that would interest me or, or tie in with, you know, my skills and, and uh, talents. So mm -hmm. I got to ask you, yeah. So I got to ask you about this college of music. Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> so as I said, I, when I went to Vanderbilt undergrad, I had actually considered going into violin performance programs, you know, conservatories and music programs. And thank goodness I didn't, I was not, I don't think I was good enough to head that direction, but yeah. uh, I did miss the fact that, um, at the time, Vanderbilt didn't have a music school. During the time I was there, Blair School of Music was added, and I was able to take some courses, but I really missed the opportunity while in college to um, to pursue music. And I, the love that I really kind of fell into over time was really more composition. Mm -hmm. And so uh, two years ago, I was looking around online late one night and found Berkeley College of Music's music, uh, excuse me, online program. Mm -hmm. So I decided to do a certificate in music theory and composition. It was a year-long course, um, four different courses. And since then, I've taken four, four more classes. And so I think I'm kind of on a way to a, um, a, way to a music degree <laughs> yeah. know, 35, 40 years later <laughs> or whatever by the time I finally finish. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I'm having a blast with it. So it's, um, it's really been, been fun. That's awesome. And so yeah. composition, you're, you're actually writing music, writing you're producing music. some scores or something like that, which exactly. to me is fascinating. I, you know, I played, I played in the band all the way through high school. And so, you know, you pick the sheet music up and you've got, you know, brass section and woodwinds, you've got percussion and you've got to tile that stuff together. So are you looking at an overall kind of an orchestra or some sort of a concert sound to, to yeah. that? Or tell me a little about that. Yeah, so I, um, I've taken a few different types of courses um, related mm -hmm. to it, but it's everything from, you know, writing for a small trio to um, I took an orchestration class where it was writing for a full, a very large orchestra. So I wrote a very short piece, you know, for all the different instruments, learned a ton, had no idea what I, yes, yeah, the classic, you don't know what you don't know, uh -huh. um, you know, and having to figure out how to develop the score for that and how to set up a little studio and record it in a digital audio workstation. Uh, DAW and, and 
so even the technology side of that was just uh it's been tough because I, I don't people in the class especially the younger people in the class it's just like obvious they're like oh yeah i set, set this up in logic pro or i did this and whatever i was like i don't even know what you're talking about so there's been a pretty <laughs> steep learning curve to get it into <laughs> get it into you know digital format and record and bring in samples that or actual real instruments, you know, mm -hmm. and so it is very sophisticated and my knowledge of it is very limited, but I'm, but I'm learning and having a blast with it. So that's fascinating. That congratulations. That's, that's amazing. And, and I, I know, yeah. And I know that, um, just the tools, I mean, just putting this podcast together, it's all done on a laptop now. And, you know, 30 years ago it would have been on, you know, a reel to reel or some sort of a, you know, tape, recording with some, you know, pretty primitive microphones and a lot of background noise and all that. Um, have you been surprised that you can do some things with the newer technology? Oh, it's incredible. I, um, yeah, we, at the beginning of the orchestration class, we had to each set up a studio and there are people that have like an entire wall of equipment, you know, and my, my audio interface is this box that's about as, it's like six inches long and two inches yeah. tall, you know, it's this tiny little, tiny little box. And, yeah. And the sound is incredible. I mean, it is absolutely incredible. It sounds like the whole orchestra is in the, you know, in the room. And um, yeah, so I've been blown away by it. But uh, I know I'm just scratching the surface. And yeah. everybody, yeah, they were supposed to post our pictures of it. And I was, you know, I was kind of embarrassed to post my little tiny studio, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but the the sound was, I mean, it's pretty amazing. You know? Yeah. That's cool. Now, are your daughters, are they musically inclined? They are, particularly the youngest. Um, Caroline is getting her musical theater degree um, okay. right now. You know, she's in college, and yeah. so yeah, she's she's definitely pursued that, and you know, more of a vocalist, but also you know the dancing and the acting as well. So okay, um, she'll yeah. be able to give you a little bit of insight from a digital native perspective. Oh yeah, and she yeah, yeah she texted me today. And she's like, hey, mom, I just wrote a song in the last you know fifteen minutes. Can I can I play it and sing it for you? So. Yeah, she's, we're having, we're having a fun great. time um, starting to collaborate on that's some awesome. things. And, and so look for our musical someday. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's great. That's great. It, so is, is Dick musically inclined? I think he is. Isn't he, he is. Um, yeah. Mostly singing, but he plays guitar occasionally. So. Yeah. Well, so do you have you have a website or a YouTube channel or anything? Or Not yet. Not yet. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Give me a little time on that. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. Well, that's awesome. Well, Ann, thank you so much for your time today. I, I, this has been great. I, I, you know, I, I know the listeners have learned a lot about, you know, certainly your career path, how you got into consulting, you know, some of the kind of lessons learned and advice I think has been really fantastic for the audience. So again, thank you so much. My pleasure and happy to talk with anybody more about consulting anytime. So thank awesome. you. All right. Thanks, Ann. Thanks so much.